Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Goins from the Reimagine Schools podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Kevin Stoller. He's the co-founder and CEO of K-12. And that's right. He's been on here before, so that means he's back. Today he's focused on providing support for principals and superintendents to keep them from burning out and wanting to leave. So much to learn today. Thanks for listening. And by the way, don't forget, it would be awesome if you took a minute to open the app you're listening to me on and rated and reviewed the podcast. Could you? Would you? Please. <laughs> Thanks. You're awesome. Enjoy. Hey, not so long ago, my uh, my wedding band broke. That's right. And it was unrepairable. Well, that was crazy. And, you know, and BooneRings.com came to my rescue. That's Boone Titanium Rings. You can find them at BooneRings.com. And, uh, by the way, they're now a, an affiliate partner of ours. But I also use them. My wedding band is now one of their rings, and it's really cool. It's laser engraved and has these, these neat stars on it and pistons. But they came to my rescue, and I got to tell you what's really cool, and it's in the name itself, they make titanium rings. This is not going to break, right? <laughs> no way. So not only can you have them personalized, but you can have them engraved, you can have them carved, you can have, uh, you can have them, uh, you know, designs with... Uh, um, wood, meteorite, stone, precious metals, acrylic, and uh, other inlays. You can also have uh, uh, these neat rings that, uh, I mean, just wait till you see the the Black Zirconium and Stealth Series rings. I mean, those are just way too cool. And, and you know, and they also make some really cool tool earrings, pendants, and cufflinks. Yeah, Boone Rings is pretty cool. That's right. You ought to go to BooneRings.com, and they're an affiliate partner of ours, which means that if you go to checkout and you use my code, Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12. So you want to use all caps, T-L-L-K, and the number 12. So once again, you use my code, which is all caps, T-L-L-K, and the number 12. At checkout, you'll get a 10% discount. That's right. And uh, you'll help out the podcast because we'll get a commission. So go to BoonRings.com. You'll be glad you did. You are listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast for educators, helping you help kids achieve their dreams. And now here's Steve with this week's show. Kevin Stoller is the co-founder and CEO of K-12, the author of the book, Creating Better Learning Environments and the voice behind the Better Learning Podcast. Driven by his passion for enhancing the learning process, Kevin started K-12 in 2009. Coupled with his experience in the contract furniture industry, Kevin has a BS in mass communications from Miami University and an MBA from The Ohio State University. Kevin is married with three kids, and though K-12 keeps him very busy, he still finds time to coach his three kids in their various sports. He also is involved in several civic and industry groups. One of these groups uh, works with kids to foster creativity and entrepreneurship. In terms of personal interests, he still tries to find time for travel, sports, and getting to local concerts with, when time permits. The, uh, and some of that would be so oh, 2019, right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pre 2020. Yeah, um, that's right. The, 
The underlying mission and philosophy of K-12 exemplifies his commitment to improving the learning environment. Personally, Kevin feels deeply passionate about allowing kids to fail and learn how to handle adversity. Uh, learning does not stop once they leave the four walls of a classroom and experience learning is invaluable. So, Kevin, we're excited to have you on uh, the show today. Glad to have you back. And it's been a while since we've been talking. And, and today we're going to get into a pretty serious topic about uh, some leader burnout stuff. So, Kevin, welcome, welcome back. Thanks. It's great to talk to you. I really appreciate you bringing me back up to talk about something that's really important, something that I feel like we need to address as a country as soon as possible. Uh, so, Kevin, today we're going to talk about school leader burnout. And But before we do that, let's talk about some of the typical stresses of a principal and superintendent. I mean, I can definitely go there with you. What do you, what do you think? What do you know um, about what they deal, deal with on a daily basis? Yeah, well, there's definitely world before COVID and then the world after COVID. And, right. and, and since COVID, if you really think about it, it's the principals, the superintendents, the ones that have had to make these decisions for their communities have had, a, it, it's just been a rough year. I mean, they, very few of them have had full support of their communities because this has been a very, very polarizing issue of whether schools should open or if they should be remote learning or blended. And no matter what, there is always someone that is very upset with them. And it's really leading to a lot of stress and burnout and to a really serious issue that, that I think we're, we're facing here to try to really salvage the, these leaders that are at the point where they're, they just want out. Yeah, you got that right. This is, you know, it's a, you know, in normal times, typical stress levels are, Lots of people think that uh, no matter what decision you make, it's not good. <laughs> right. And uh, um, there's always someone who's willing to give you advice because everybody went to school. And, uh, and there's, uh, and by the way, just for my listeners, I'm not saying that uh, school leaders are perfect. That's not my point. It's just that in normal times, you know, you make a lot of decisions and whether it's your staff, whether it's community, whether it's uh, um, the kids, whether it's the families, you know, whoever it is, there's, there's typically somebody who, um, you know, there's going to be an issue that you're going to have to address or a challenge that you're going to have to face. And uh, it's, at some point, it, it generally deals with, the, you know, uh, some interesting meetings or whatever, but that, that's part of, you know, being in the big seat and uh, making those decisions. Sure. But they, they were really forced in a position, if you really think about from the federal level, it was really pushed down to the states. And then most states pushed it down to a local level. And then the local levels really kind of let push it down to the school districts. And so in a lot of ways, they were, they were the ones making the decisions for the country. And, you know, and again, that's not what they went to school for. That's not what they were preparing for. They were looking at more of like how, how to be leaders within education, but they were really put in the, into the position where they were making these important decisions that affected everyone's everyday life of whether the school should be reopened. And, and that really, that wasn't fair. They took it on because it was put in, in there and they had to make these tough decisions. Um, but, but it is important to recognize kind of the role that they played in within our country here because it was, it was a really important role and, and somebody had to make the call and it got pushed down to basically be put onto their plate. You got that right. You know, as I'm pretty sure that uh, we didn't have classes in this part. You know, it's, it's there's, nobody ever said, uh, hey, by the way, you know, one day you're probably going to have uh, this happen. And so let's go ahead and get you ready for it. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things you just mentioned that uh, uh, really added to those, you know, the, the 
didn't know I was going to be doing this job um, was uh, the idea of, you know, way back when, when this first started, when they canceled all the school and they closed them down, um, there are kids who still needed to eat. And, uh, you know, and suddenly the superintendents found themselves in charge and principals found themselves in charge of figuring out how to get the, uh, um, the, the families and the food together um, so they, they had the breakfast and the lunch meals that they, uh, um, they needed to get. And, and so you found literally superintendents riding on buses or driving buses uh, along with principals to uh, pick up spots. I mean, talk about something a little different uh, in their job description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just true servant leadership exemplified there of saying, hey, the job does not end and somebody's got to do it. So, and, you know, and, and the more we, you know, we talk to a lot of, a lot of these leaders and, you know, I mean, you really think of what they had to do and how many contingency plans that they were coming up with because all the information was coming out really, you know, conflicting in a lot of ways, whether it's from the CDC or from, from, you know, federal, state, local government, but they had to come up with all these different plans. And at the same time, they had to be the leaders. They had to be the ones that were, that were, being that, that calm voice that, that was going out to their staff and to their communities to say like, we got it under control, we're putting together our plans. But man, that put a toll on them. And, you know, and it's easy to forget that everyone, their personal lives too, they're going back and, you know, they have spouses, they have kids that were also dealing with all the chaos and all the stress that came just with COVID beyond their jobs. Oh, you got that right. I mean, and, and just, just like what you were just talking about. I mean, one of the things that's, interesting about this, uh, what you just just said is that, uh, you know, suddenly this world is on their shoulders and they have all kinds of thoughts about different contingency plans they got to come up with. Yet at the time, at, I mean, we're still in this world now. I mean, at, at that time, I mean, there was totally no thought, you know, no real understanding of what, you know, what is it that we're dealing with right now? And, uh, but you as a principal or as a superintendent, you're going to have to come up with a perfect plan, <laughs> even though we don't really know what we're doing right, right now. Come on, get it right. <laughs> and get it right the first time too. <laughs> yeah. You get, I mean, just as a side note, I mean, I don't know how many people know this or not, but superintendents and uh, principals live in communities, <laughs> yeah. which, which means that uh, there's no escaping this. So if you go to the grocery store and uh, someone sees you and flags you down and says, uh, you know, while you're standing there in front of the, uh, the ice cream freezer, um, hey, <laughs> hey, can we talk just a second? I want to talk about that, that you know, the closing uh, the school down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many and you probably were in the same situation like it's so hard because you just can't even check your email on the weekend because you know there's going to be something in there that you know that you know is demanding a response and and right away. You and, got that. Yeah, that right. They talk about the uh, scary stuff. That's like uh, you know, <laughs> in any horror movie you've ever watched where they go to open the door or someplace and someone yells, "Don't open the door! Don't open the door!" You know, <laughs> don't open that mail. Don't open that email. So yeah. So yeah, I watch too many. Yeah, you know, the, the alien movie. You always wonder why they they have to go in the place where it's darkest, and uh, and you know that the little blood trail leads there for a reason, right? <laughs> That's right. Now, now the good news on all this, we did learn we have some incredible leaders, some just incredible leaders in within schools in our country, and that's been kind of the positive that's come from this is that 
and we all know even before this hit that I used to talk and we used to always share stories that if you put a great leader into a school or into a district, it is amazing how that flows all the way through the system. I mean, how it impacts, you know, the teacher's lives, how it impacts the parents' lives, the students' lives, and how many people that they touch with that job all the way trickles down to literally the value of people's homes in the community can be attributed to whether you have a great leader within the schools. So it's a role that I feel like everyone should recognize is it has a ton of significance and which is why, you know, like why I'm on here talking about this and, and talking about how we can support them better in ways that we can, we can support their, their, not only their professional development, but more importantly, their personal development. Yeah, I'm glad you wanted to have this discussion, Kevin. This is, this is awesome because it needs to be talked about because it, it's really not too much. I mean, it's, it's a lot, other areas are talked a lot, of, a lot more, but this is kind of pushed to the side and, and it needs to be. So, it, you know, just, I, this is going to sound like a no-brainer. I just got to say this. I mean, since COVID hit, I mean, the stress levels that have happened, I mean, they definitely kind of gone through the roof. Uh, I mean, you know, one of the things that, uh, um, you know, because, I mean, it, it just seems like every decision that they make is going to be scrutinized, especially all you have to do is have a local newspaper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, what do you, it was stuff like this. I mean, what do you say to somebody about uh, who's in these positions to say, you know, say hang in there i mean it'll get better the sun will come out tomorrow (laughs) definitely the words of encouragement do help if you think about it it's very similar and and i'll tell you kind of about what we're actively doing to to you know to address this in ways where everyone your listeners can help do this but it, it does start as simple as some words of encouragement um, you know, if you think about it, leaders are just like leader, you know, like school leaders are just like leaders in other areas. It, it's, you know, it's, it's really rare that they get the encouragement on there. It, it's a role that's lonely at the top. Um, it's really difficult for other people to relate to whether it is, you know, whether it's a staff member or a community member or a parent or, or, um, or even their family and their spouses. So it, it's one of those things that it's a lonely role and, uh, but there are ways that we can address it. And um, so what we did is we've actually partnered with, a, with an organization called Education Leaders Organization, ELO for short. And, and that's really a, a platform that is going to help support them in being surrounded by their peers that, are, that can relate to this, that can share those same stories. And, uh, and I'm definitely happy to dig into a lot more about like how that organization works. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do, because first of all, kudos to you for reaching out to find a, a group to partner with to try and help this, uh, to try and help this situation out. Because, I mean, you know, before we go there, I mean, there's so many different ways that this stress can appear with uh, people. And one of it, obviously, is the ultimate thing going, yeah, I don't feel like going to work anymore. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, everything from, I mean, I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, you know, a lot of times when I'm getting to that stress, to a certain high level stress, I, I don't sleep and I get a little crabby, you know, and that's, that's probably, my wife's probably yelling right now. Yeah, a little. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I mean, it is tough on family. I mean, that is, that's the one thing that, you know, that it is great to hear your perspective on that is, it is, you know, like you're, you're a real person. You, you have a regular life to deal with too. And the amount of that 
hits at a personal level and at the family level, it, it's, you know, it's really unfair. You know, it's, it, it's a tough situation, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. I mean, there's definitely ways to, to help support and be able to provide opportunities to get, get those outlets that are needed. That's awesome. And I, and I, and I, um, and you're going to tell us a little bit about ELO. So could you, um, once again, it's the education leaders organization. So can you talk a little bit about what they do and how they're going to help or how they might Yeah, help? for sure. Yep. And if anyone is interested, you can go, it's ed-leaders.org. Um, that's really the, the best place to start to get information on there. Um, but it, it's based on the proven practices that have happened in other industries. Um, like I said, like the leaders of schools are, are it's not any different, um, I should say, it is definitely different than other leaders like within business and other, and other industries because you do have that community aspect of it. Um, but the idea that you can't share things with your spouse, you can't share it with your, with your staff, you can't share it with other things, it, the tenants of this have been used in other industries for over 30 years. And there's protocols that have been setting up these peer experience sharing groups that have worked. They've been proven to work. And this is the first time that we're really bringing it to education. So this ELO is bringing this into education and it makes, that's what's so unique about this. Um, but the partners on here are, are the same trainers that have trained these other industry groups on the same protocols that is, based on experience sharing, not advice giving. Um, so I, I'll kind of dig into the, into the weeds here a little bit um, on the difference. But the reason why this matters is that like, even before COVID, this has been a high turnover job. Um, you know, when you look at statistics anywhere, the turnover in a principal or in a superintendent role is typically, the tenure is typically four to five years. So if you look at that, that's roughly, you know, a 20 to 25% turnover rate every single year um, that, that happens in these roles. Now, it's estimated that with COVID that we're going to see rates that are probably more like 40% this year. People are going to be taking early retirement. They're going to be, they're going to be trying to step down and go into different roles in here. Um, so it is important that we can provide kind of these outlets for the leaders right now. But the tenant of it is, is really this protocol that's based on experience sharing versus advice giving. And these groups of typically eight to 10 people, this is really their, their, uh, their confidential outlet to be able to talk about the top five and the bottom 5% of their lives, whether it is professional or personal, because at the end of the day, we're talking about the person. We're talking about, we're talking about you, Steve, of, of, the one who's, who has, you know, has to deal with the, with the personal stresses of dealing with family, of dealing with, you know, any health issues that happen within their family, but then at the same time being able to do everything that's required at the professional level um, as a leader of a school system or a school. And, and having that outlet, it really provides the structure to them that they have, that they can have those outlets to talk about the top five and the bottom 5% in a way that they get, ex get knowledge and experiences from other people that are in that same situation or have been in a similar situation like that in the past. This is awesome. This is, uh, you know, especially because we're not, so we're not talking about, you know, 
somebody experimenting on you. <laughs> no, it, it is. And, and the reason I'm passionate about it is I've been part of, of a business owner group like this for the last nine years. And I've went through some crazy personal stuff as well as just, you know, like growing a business. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I'd say like this is, you know, like my, my peer group has been my, my group support. I mean, it's been like my support group. And, you know, I never went to therapy. I probably should have, but I had this group to, to be able to have that outlet to get me through this. And, uh, and, and that's why I'm so passionate about it is that if, if we can provide these outlets to people, these relationships become lifelong relationships. They have like to be able to call up somebody who, who who's in your role and knows what it feels like to be in your shoes um, you know, to deal with whether, you know, there's, I mean, if there hasn't already, there are going to be deaths within the community. How do you deal with that? How do you, how do you deal with that at a personal level, but at the same time, be the leader that your community needs to go and be like, okay, this is how we're going to deal with it. There's all these situations that you don't have to be out in an island on your own trying to figure it out. And if we can provide kind of this, this support for you, um, that's really what yellow is all about. That's excellent. I mean, because that's, you know, one of the things you, you talked about this earlier that, you know, the, the position in itself, um, you, you know, typically in these positions, they have some sort of, you know, what John Maxwell talks about as an inner circle. Um, but even then they can only have so much, you know, possible support from that group. I mean, if they're new to the position, then that position, that group hasn't even been <laughs> developed yet. Um, you know, being able to have those, you know, that personal friend or that person who understands or that person who just taps on your shoulder and says, Hey, are you okay? <laughs> um, <laughs> right. You know, you seem to be uh, not on the same planet with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and as a leader, you can't show that to your staff. I mean, if you're having, you know, a down day or a down week, it, you know, like people read through that. I mean, I always say that as a leader, Every word, every action, every every mannerism that you do is being viewed and and taken by the staff and the community at a different level. And they're going and they're telling other people and, you know, and be like, oh, wow, they're really down. We should be worried. We should be looking for another job or a hey, school is never going to open again. All those little things matter. So you have to be on your game all the time. Um, because otherwise it starts to trickle down within the whole organization of the community. So having that trusted outlet of being like, okay, all right, I am down today. Who can I call and who can I talk to? Um, so I can kind of have that, have that outlet and then be able to come back and do what I need to do as a leader. Yeah, that's, that's very good stuff. So what does it take to get involved with this, this project? I mean, as a school leader, as a, I mean, what did, I mean, what yeah, so did, there, to, there's, there's really three different ways. There, there is an application process. And the reason why is, be, is that we want to make sure that everyone is, does meet the requirements that they are in the top position within their school or within their district um, to do that. Um, so to apply, if you are one of the leaders, you can just go to ed-leaders.org and apply. But where the way most people learn about this is that um, they be, they're nominated by someone, either by, um, by a peer or someone in the community or someone on their staff. And there is a place where you can nominate them and put in your words of encouragement of why you've nominated them. They'll get an email from a staff member on ELO saying, 
saying that you've been nominated and who nominated you and why, and then they can learn about it. Um, and we have different, you know, like different resources on there to kind of explain what it's about. Because at the end of the day, it does require a commitment. Um, and it's one of those things that a lot of times they're, they're working a lot of hours. So part of the application process is understanding that there is a significant time investment in this, typically about three to four hours a month. Um, so part of the application process is, is making sure that they understand that they're committed to it um, because the, the groups really fall apart if, there's not, if everyone's not committed to it. But if they go into it fully committed to it, um, you do that. And, um, and the third thing is, is um, and this is a lot of things that I do on there, is I'm, I'm looking to get financial support for scholarships. Um, there is a fee to it. Uh, the fee is $1,000 per year. Um, so it's not a lot. Um, and, but if you do not have the money out of a, your professional development budget, we don't want that to be, be the issue at all. So we really, you know, that's part of the application process. If you don't have that in the budget, let us know because there's scholarship money available. And, you know, and that's really what I kind of put on my shoulders too, is that I don't want anyone who wants to be part of this to not be part of it because of financial issues. Um, so those are kind of the, the three ways. If you can nominate someone, if you are in that position, you want to apply directly, or if you'd want to want to be somebody who would provide scholarship money to allow people, those are really, really the three ways that you can contribute. So no matter what your role is in the world, there, there's ways that you can contribute. And I would just say, even that process of nominating, just give them some words of encouragement. Just say, hey, I see you. I, I see you're doing a good job or you're, you're putting in your effort for our community. And we appreciate it because uh, they're not hearing that right now. Instead, they're they're seeing on social media about how the board should kick them out, and you know, and how we need to bring in new leadership. And um, you know, new leadership is going to deal with the same issues as old leadership. <laughs> they're not going to solve solve the problems. It's it's a difficult difficult problem to solve right now. Oh yeah, well, I mean, it's I mean, a big part of it is that uh, you know, you take one step forward, you take two steps back, and then you have you have um, you know, government entities that uh, have their own ideas about what should happen. You have then local um, entities that have their ideas about what should happen. Then you have people who are upset. You know, there's, there's the issue of we need to get the kids in school because uh, we, we've got to go to work. There's the other side of it, which is we don't need the kids in school because we, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. And then there's the whole other aspect of it, which is, you know, we're going to have this huge gap of uh, this, learning and uh, teaching and the, this big gap between uh, where the kids were even when they they left before and how are we going to address that and you know then you got the pressures I mean you know I, I can't even imagine if the you know the feeling of a, of a kid who's in their junior or senior year going am I going to be able to go where I wanted to yeah. go next year you know right and uh, there's just any number of these things that then as that leader you're trying to figure out well, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should we make this happen? You know, and then on top of that, you got people who whole, their whole life could be centered around um, some sort of, uh, not only are we talking academics, we're also talking athletics. And, you know, <laughs> I, it may sound silly, but it's not. It's the, the pressures that are coming from everywhere to figure out how can we make this, this world work? And you make one choice, one side step, one direction, and next thing you know is you've, you know, it, kind of stirring up the waters of the, you know, some big hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
I got to say this because like right now, one of the things that's, that's a huge topic is whether they're going to have prom or not. Right. Yep. I mean, it, it's to some people that may sound silly, but it's. No, but it, 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 it's real. I mean, these are, this is the kid's life and the parents, you know, and they have visions of how everything was supposed to play out. And, you know, at the end of the day, it does come down to somebody making the decision of we're going to have prom or we're going to have a graduation. Right. Cause that's going to be the next one. Cause that's right. And nobody wants to be in that position, but somebody is going to make that decision. Very much so. And, and that in itself is like, I mean, you, you really want to have that group that you go to and go, come on, I need, <laughs> I need some help yeah. here. Let's, let's. Yeah. What are you doing? How did you handle it? And <laughs> right. Yeah. What research were you looking at? What are the resources? Like, you know, like there's so many things that come into that and, and really having somewhere where you can have those conversations that, you know, that, that aren't impacted, um, you know, by the people who, who want to, who want to voice their opinion to you. It's, you know, just as a, as a side note, I mean, just the, the different aspects, one of the things um, we kind of mentioned a little bit at the beginning is, you know, the role that uh, whether you have them, the kids face to face or, you know, or in the remote learning mode and, you know, just something that the pressure that happens right there is, are you, you know, how many kids are actually showing up? <laughs> right. Um, and uh, they have to send out people to go find them and say, hey, parent, your kid's not coming online. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, you know, they either need to be online or they got to be in the building. So which one's it going to be? Yeah. And, uh, and we, we haven't even talked about how, how the funding is impacted by that as well. You know, like if, you know, how do you, how, you know, most states, their funding is tied to the headcount of how many students are enrolled. Oh, that it is. And right now I know our lawmakers are, are looking going, well, you know, you only, you only had so many kids there. So we're going to, we could, you really use this money over here. And it's like, whoa, but we got to deal with all this. Oh yeah. That's a huge deal. We got, you know, the, um, the fact that they still have to figure out how to go find the kids to get them back in and you know, the amount of stuff that uh, money needs to be spent on. You're right. That's yeah. across our country. That's a big chunk of uh, right. the discussion. So, so it's definitely hard. I don't want to discount that this is a hard role. Um, but I do want to talk about like why these types of organizations like ELO are, are so beneficial. Um, and I talked a little bit of it that it's based on experience sharing, not advice giving. Um, but I, but the reason why that that's so significant is that if you think, if think about it, if you're in a group environment and you're talking and you have an issue, you know, let's just take that prom issue right, that you're talking about here is, do we have prom or not? Um, somebody can sit here and they can just flat out give you advice and be like, oh, those people are crazy. You need to have a prom and, and say, just do it. And they can just give you that advice. And the reason why that's so harmful for the relationship is that it's harmful from both sides. One, from the person who's trying to make that decision. Now I'm put in a position where like, I need to either listen to you or not listen to you. And there's going to be hurt feelings whether I take your advice or don't take your advice. If I take your advice now, all of a sudden, if something blows up in my face, I can be really frustrated that I took your advice. Yes. <laughs> um, and, but now if you take it from the other side, from the advice givers, and now somebody comes back and three weeks later, they're still struggling with that decision or you know, they made the decision that wasn't what, what the advice giver told them to do. 
um, they can feel really hurt. They'd be like, well, why didn't you take my advice? Or be like, and I told you what to do three weeks ago and you still haven't done it. It really breaks down that relationship. And this is a tenant that, that's part of the training in, that people get when they join the organization. And this training is so impactful, not only for the group that you're in, but when you actually take that beyond into your everyday life too. Um, it, it's really changed the way I, I speak to almost everyone now that I've learned that advice giving hurts relationships, but experience sharing is what really builds relationships. So if you take that advice giving situation and say, instead of that one person giving advice, they now share the experience of a time that, that they had to deal with, with a scenario where they were gonna, where they were gonna let down a certain percentage of people and how that made them feel when they were had to make that decision um, and, and why it mattered so much to them um, to do that. And, and how, when they made that decision, it, it definitely let other people down, but because when they dealt with it, they had kind of this, this um, honest discussion with people who didn't agree with them and they laid it out, whether they did it as like a blog post or as, as you know, or as a press release, or they had more one-on-one -on -one conversations with the people that they disappointed. People are going to take that and be able to make the decisions now for themselves and, and pick what they want out of that experience. Uh, and plus the rest of the group gets to hear now that experience as well and use that and kind of put that in their learning bank for later be like oh wow i never really thought about that way i never even considered you know like hey do i need to get on you know do i need to get on the news with the local tv station um and talk about this uh, you know was that good or bad and being able to learn from those experiences is really the tenant of of what these organizations and in particular this education leaders organization is all about it's awesome so the, uh, you know, when, uh, so they go to, let's, let's talk them through uh, where they go to again. So they can be nominated or they can apply. Um, and uh, they go to ed-leaders.org, right? Yep. If you start right there, that's the best place to start. There's, um, you know, clear places of where to nominate or to apply for membership. So once somebody gets nominated, um, they will get an email from someone on an ELO staff member and it will copy in the person who nominated them. And it just gives them those words of encouragement and that if they would like to apply to go through the application. The application process is really simple. It takes about 10 minutes to do. Um, and we're really just making, again, making sure that they meet the requirements um, to do this. And the requirements are, are pretty simple. It's just that you have to be hold the top position within the school or within the district. Um, and, you know, and this isn't limited just to public schools, um, you know, it, whether you're head of a charter school or a charter school network, a private school, private school um, network, um, they're all dealing with different things. And a lot of ways they bring in such a different, unique perspective to these decisions that it's really good to have that diversity within the groups. And, uh, and then once you go through that application, we're going to match you up in, into groups. Um, the ELO staff is going to do that. Um, and like I mentioned, before you get into a group, everyone has to go through, through training. Um, and the, the groups are called quorums. And these, are, these quorums are groups of eight to 10 people. And, uh, and that's really a tenant of it. They meet, and then once they're in a group, um, the ELO staff members will sit in the first handful of groups. But the idea is that these become member-led over time and the members drive it and there's a strict, strict uh, 
agenda that each of these meetings have. Um, yeah, and like I said, it, it's when you when you stick to the protocol, they're super powerful. They're they're literally like the most impactful hours of your month um, when you're in there. It's uh, you know, I, I like I mentioned, I've been part of one for nine years, and it's it's really those meetings I can point to almost every major decision in my life has been impacted by those group of eight to 10 people that, that are my peers. And that's really the point of ELO is, is to provide that confidential outlet um, to talk about that five top five and bottom 5% of your life. That's excellent. It's just so powerful and can be so helpful. You know, just, just being able to have that group that becomes your, you know, the, the group to, you know, help you deal with whatever it is by the, you know, like you said, the experience sharing, not advice giving. And it is cool. I mean, it's really cool to to see it, you know, like even at a personal level, like how those things, um, you know, and even just, you know, to tell a personal story. Um, my brother was going through a divorce um, several years ago and, you know, and, you know, that's a tough, that's an emotional, that's just a hard time to go through. And, you know, and he, he just wanted it to go away, you know, and to do that, he was basically just like wanting to like do whatever to not harm the relationship with his, his ex-wife and totally understood it made sense. But forever I was just telling him like, well, you need to get an attorney. You need to get an attorney. You, you need to do that. And after three or four times, it was breaking our relationship. Um, so I, instead of that, I'm like, I started thinking, I'm like, well, how can I relate to him instead of me just flat out giving this advice? And even though I've never been through an, through a divorce, I did go through a situation where I had kind of a, a falling out with a business partner and we ended up splitting. And, and I just, shared with him the experience and be like, you know what? I was in the same thing. I just, you know, like I had a ton of respect for my former business partner. It wasn't like I was trying to hurt him. Um, but I had to find a way to protect myself and kind of do it the right way. And, um, you know, and I did not use an attorney when I, when I split with my business partner, we just said, Hey, we can figure this out. We're, we're, you know, mature adults. Um, and to just get it done, I, I you know, it, it cost me, many thousands of dollars that at the time I just wanted to go away. But then a year or two later, I'm like, man, if I would have brought in an attorney um, to do this the right way, it, it, it would have saved me a lot of money and a lot of headaches and a lot of resentment afterward. And my brother, after I kind of shared that experience, he goes, man, he goes, that's really helpful um, to do that. I still, I have no idea if he hired an attorney or not, but at that point it was, it, it's not my problem. It's more, I've I've shared my experience. He can do with it what he wants. And, and those are the types of things that, that these groups are made for. It's those tough situations um, that, that, you know, you, you just, you may only, you may only see it once in your career, but wouldn't it be awesome that when you do see it once in your career, you can talk to seven or eight people who have been through a similar situation before, and they can tell you what, what worked for them and what didn't work for them. You got that right. That would be uh, so helpful. And if nothing else, just a little bit of uh, the ability to be able to talk with a colleague, a peer, somebody who there's a, there's that experience level that, uh, you know, it's not just going to come from anywhere. So it's not like you're just <laughs> saying, calling up your best bud and saying, Hey, I need to talk with you a second. 
You're not going to understand what I'm talking about, but we're good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, sure. Or that Uber driver, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And men in particular are very bad at sharing emotions <laughs> to begin with. So, so we, you put that on top of it where, you know, you know, there's still a larger percent of men in these roles than women. Um, what are they doing? You know, like the, if they don't have an outlet to talk about this, um, you know, it, it leads to poor decisions. It leads to things that are hurting their personal life and, and ultimately hurting, you know, the communities that they live in too. Yeah, you get that right. And it, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I, I, sorry, what I started thinking about is in, with the lack of uh, other outlets, because, you know, in, in some you know communities, you're still not really encouraged to be out and about or anything like that. And, you know, if that's not happening, if you don't have some sort of release where you can hike, get out, uh, go to dinner, do uh, something else, like, you know, go to a baseball game and yell at the professional athletes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where Where is that outlet? Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's getting here soon, hopefully. <laughs> yes, yeah. So, Kevin, as we're bringing this to a, to a close, and I'll make sure that in my uh, show notes I have the, uh, the link, um, ed learn um, ed-leaders.org. And, uh, you know, what, uh, one of the things that I want to, I want to just ask you this question, when things get tough and there's so much going on that you're getting overwhelmed, how do you deal with that? What do you do? Yeah. Um, for me, and, and again, a lot of it comes back to my, my peer group that have gotten me this way, but I, I've learned that if I don't get exercise, it, everything falls apart. And I, I've kind of gotten like <laughs> overboard in, in some ways on this, but I literally track and my exercise for me is, as I go to a basketball court um, in my neighborhood and I do this little routine where I, I, I shoot, I set my timer for five minutes and I try to make as many shots from the free throw line or beyond as I can in five minutes. And at the same time, I usually have some type of podcast or audiobook going on here and it's super relaxing for me um, and I track it and I and then I put it in my phone of how many I made in those five in those five minutes and I and I first started tracking it because I wanted to see like what my shooting percentage was and if I can like break my record and just kind of a way to like have a little competition with myself um, but over time as I did that I started plotting it out on a graph and it was interesting it almost completely correlated to the more that I did that, the better I felt the, my weight went down. Um, and even more fascinating, my results and business improved to it. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, this is crazy. And when I didn't do it, when I didn't get out of bed in the morning to, to do that exercise, my weight started going up and my business performance went down. And so it's literally for me, it's, it's when I wake up in the morning, it's literally just making the decision to, to go exercise or not. And it, you know, it's an opportunity for me to get exercise, but it's also a way for me to kind of have, uh, have that outlet. And then also the, the education that came from that. Cause so much, I, you know, I listened to things and I learned so much at that time. So that's the kind of been my number one stress reliever and to the point where my wife knows it, you know, like if I go three or four days without getting out of bed, she's like, it's like, get out of bed. Like (laughs) you got to do it. Like, cause, cause that's really when I start getting off track. 
That's excellent. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and, and I, by the way, I got just got to ask you a question at any moment during that time, are you thinking that there's like uh, um, 0.5 seconds left on the clock and you got to make the shot? <laughs> yeah, I totally am. Like I have this clock in my head and I'm, I'm counting them as I go too. So I know like in five minutes I can get about 52 shots off. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So, so when I get to that point, I'm like, Oh, I can go faster or faster if I'm, if I'm, <laughs> closer yeah <laughs> i like that nice uh, uh, kevin i can't thank you enough for talking with me today um this is incredible i love i love the focus that you have on helping school leadership um, that are in danger of wearing the weight of the world on their shoulders and uh, experiencing that leader burn, burnout and the last thing we want is for them to just say i'm done quit and leave and you know the partnership with elo is an awesome awesome pursuit uh, appreciate it and you know the, the help itself is just appreciated um, by the way, uh, everyone, as a side note, I'll have links to this too, but you need to check out uh, Kevin's book, Creating Better Learning Environments. Uh, his The Better Learning Podcast and K12.com. Kevin, thank you so much for talking with me today and uh, um, look forward to our next time. Yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for what you do. I really appreciate it. Teaching Learning Leading K12 is excited to be a member of Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right here. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions for classroom teachers and school administrators. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll share it with your friends.